Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What is up? I'm your host, Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. Joining me in our Brooklyn studio today. Annie Fell, Senior Editor. Hey, hey, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. For this week's show, we paired A.C. Newman of The New Pornographers and Post Animals, Wesley Toledo. Yeah, the guys are big fans of each other's music. It's super interesting to hear someone who's pretty legendary with an up-and-comer. Yep, 100%. A.C. Newman, of course, is the center of the indie power pop collective, The New Pornographers. That's the squad that brought you breakout stars Nico Case and Dan Behar, a.k.a. Destroyer. A.C. has released a trio of solo records, and The New Pornographers recently released their eighth studio LP. That's In the Morse Code of Brake Lights. From that record, check out Falling Down the Stairs of Your Smile. Classic new pornographers, am I right? So great. I got to say, I am a fan. And Annie, as you mentioned, another fan, Wes Toledo. Yeah, in addition to being a big fan of A.C. Newman, he's also Post Animals drummer and one of their vocalists. Post Animals, a five-piece psych pop slash prog rock band out of Chicago. They caught some buzz last year with their debut album, When I Think of You in a Castle. And part of that was aided by their co-founding member, Joe Keery, being one of the stars of Stranger Things. Yeah, Joe plays Steve Harrington on the show, which, of course, brought some listeners in. Some good advertising. But Joe actually left the band to focus on acting before they made their new LP, Forward Motion Goddessy. That's Goddessy, not Odyssey. Don't get it twisted. We're getting psyched out here. (laughs) That record dropped last month, and the band's been on the road with Cage the Elephant and doing their own headlining tour since. Yeah, the guys are working really hard. From Forward Motion Goddessy, let's check out the track Post Animal. Now, Annie, the listeners aren't going to hear all this, but I want them to know that Wes and AC got on so well that they talked for two hours. That's insane. But loyal listeners, I work for you, and I toiled long and hard to bring the best parts out of an already great conversation to fruition. So over the next 45 minutes or so, you're going to hear the guys get into some really great stuff. They get into the process of songwriting that each band uses. They talk about embracing irony and ridiculousness in their music making. Which I just love. I I just love that they're self-aware enough to be able to uh, not only see it, but laugh at it and enjoy it and incorporate it. Yeah, no pretension. They also get into what can be learned from ELO and Chasing Toto. Should we roll it? Let's do it. Wesley Toledo. Yes. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I'm just going to I'm just going to read your press package back to you. Cool. And let's, then let's hear it. Then you, can, <laughs> then you then you can say yes or no. <laughs> All right, and I'll cool. Say, <laughs> Give you their I'll approval. I'll say is this true is, is this true? It says here that you sound like this. Is that true? Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> I I don't know why I thought about this. But what's what's the first song in your life that you remember 
thinking, I love this song. Oh. Because I feel like we, we all have a moment where we hear something and go, like you're three years old and you go, shit, this is great. Yeah, definitely. I actually know exactly the song. One of my earliest memories is my dad played me when I was a little kid, um, Synchronicity by The Police. Mm-hmm. And uh, in particular, the song, Oh My God, I think it's track three. My dad's a drummer. You know, he started me at a pretty young age playing drums. And I would say Stuart Copeland was my earliest drum god, if you if you will. You know, it's like the first like drummer that I ever listened to that I was just like, it really struck me, you know, and that record in particular. But he had a huge effect on me. And I would just like air drum to it as like a little kid. I would just kind of sing along like in little kid, you know, mumbling and yeah. And then the other one, the other one that was like a huge one too, this might be a little older, but Cher, the Life After Love. Just that melody. <laughs> no, seriously, that melody, like I'd be driving as a little kid with my mom. And whenever that would come on, mm. I was just like total, like staring out the window, daydreaming, singing along to this like incredible anthem. It was glorious for me. It still is. Like I still get that same feeling. I think I bring that up because when I think of myself, like writing music, I think a big influence are just songs that I loved when I was a little kid. Yeah. Like like something I heard on the radio and, and it just sticks with me. And I realized like that, you know, like our, our music sort of sounds like, you know, a warped take on old radio pop. And I think that's just because that's, that's what I remember loving. So I guess that's why I brought it up. I thought like is, do you think any of those, songs you loved as a child or found their way into post-animal music? Definitely. What you just said was that like really resonates. And I feel like that's something that we all really try and capture um, and <clears throat> try and like tap into. Because um, I find that there's just like something about like the nostalgia of those songs. Throwing out some other like examples would be like, for me in particular, it's like, like Toto, you know, like a lot of those like like yeah. 80s, like kind of big like like studio bands that I grew up listening to. Like I like I didn't even realize it till like more recently, but it's like, wow, that's like what I want to hear. And I don't really like hear that <laughs> yes. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and like I don't hear that really anymore in music. Mm-hmm. And I I think all of us were realizing like we could just like tap into that and make our own version of it. But it's like going to just be, it's inevitably going to just be very different than that, than like the old stuff, because we also are like, you know, we're tapping into like so many other genres that we grew up listening to that came like mm-hmm. after that time period, you know? So like when I was a kid, it was like a lot of 80s stuff. And then I, I got like really, really into like the 90s, like, you know, grunge and and like metal and that was like a a huge thing from like my adolescence and that has like also Mm. kind of subconsciously influenced just like my drumming and same with like you know everyone else in the band too it's like that we take like jake our keyboard and guitar player listen to a lot of like house music and a lot Mm -hmm. of like dance stuff and that has inevitably made its way into our music now so yeah, I totally, I think we do that and we intentionally do that now um, when we're in the writing room. Uh, you're chasing, chasing Toto? Oh man, I'm just chasing, I'm just trying to, we're just trying to write a song like, <laughs> like Rosanna, 
That's all. <laughs> or, Just, uh, or or Africa. Hey, hey, I mean, they're brilliant songs. I mean, you can Incredible. Can't, I I, th- I think a lot of people when they're they're younger, they they might they go through this this phase where they start thinking things are uncool. Yeah. And I mean, like I can't listen to that uncool music. Totally. Yeah. And then you you get a little older and you realize, no, this is this is cool. This is this is a great song. Dude, I I I don't care if it's uncool. Like I, I really think like <laughs> I think Africa is like the coolest song ever. It's it's it like is. unbelievable. You know, it's definitely cheesy. I get that, but I love cheesy music. You know, music that oh yeah, it's, it's not it's trying so, to be cool so or anything. I. You know, like you listen to their music and it sounds like they're wearing blazers with t-shirts. It's like you can just <laughs> you can just hear you can hear it in the music. Yeah, man. Yeah, I also love like how how technically gifted those guys were in like a lot of the musicians from back then were like I, I think that in the 90s and 2000s the technicality in the instruments was kind of lost in the sake of like more stripped back or more like I guess quote unquote like less cheesy or like more authentic you know the alternative like the 2000s alternative stuff was very simple I guess and like same with like mm-hmm. grunge you know and but I I really appreciate just like the technical aspect just as like a drum, kind of like as a music nerd. You talk about like Rage Against the Machine. Hell yeah. It's funny that like that might've been an influence on you, but it still, it still comes out to me. It doesn't come out sounding like that. It reminds me of more of like King Crimson. Yeah, man. Yeah. Which, I, which I think is awesome because they came out of the gate and did it first and best. Yeah, I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, seriously. you get described as like, you know, a psych rock or a, or a prog band. I mean, like, how do you feel about being referred to as a band that's sort of retro? Um, I really like it. You know, I mean, I think that we've we've been put into like the psych rock category, which I think the earlier stuff in our discography was definitely like it fit perfectly into like the, the neo psych, like the new kind of wave of psych rock that has come out like in the past 10 years. I was, I was just going to say, like, I'm sure in almost every interview, somebody probably brings up Tame Impala. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. Because they, they are currently the kings of it, you know? Yeah, they are. And like, I think earlier on, they were a big influence on us, but not really anymore. And that's, you know, it's just because we've like stopped listening to as much of like the new psych rock and have expanded to to just other genres. And like now we want to make like new age pop prog rock, you know, like we want to mm-hmm. be kind of like, like the Toto or like... Um, you know, like a King Crimson, maybe like a little poppier King Crimson, because I think that we all definitely mm-hmm. love pop music a lot. Like radio pop is like, we love that shit, you know? Like maybe not like the stuff mm-hmm. coming out right now, like in, you know, top 40s, but like, but even some of that too, we're like kind of down with. Like it's, it can be in an ironic way too. Like I think that we embrace irony in music. Like we think that sometimes we come mm-hmm. up with stuff that's like, we think is funny. Like we're like, dude, that's hilarious. Like that's just, it's kind of, it's pretty out there and like, but it makes us laugh and we end up yes. really, really liking it a lot and we roll with it and we just want to keep on doing that. If we're going to put a genre on it, we would like to, we'd like it to be like progressive, like progressive pop rock. And it's definitely still very, very like psychedelic at points too, because we can't yeah. really let go of like the Pink Floyd, ELO, that whole influence that like we still you know, very much love all that shit and think that that stuff was like kind of transcendent at the time and still is. It it absolutely is. You know, I've, I've always thought it was interesting how um different genres 
or like, like, you know, like some genres are treated like they're eternal, like country or the blues. Yeah. Like if, if you play country or the blues, nobody says, oh man, you're, you're playing a retro genre. You know, like, like, like it's considered, it's considered eternal. But when you start playing like psychedelic music, even though there's no reason to connect it with any age, people always want to say like, oh, well, that's, that's sort of a throwback, isn't it? And you know, and I, I listened. I listened to you, and I listened to a lot of new bands. And I think, like, no, this is just this is just what music should sound like. You know, I, I think it's, yeah. it's just it's just it's just it's a different it's a different approach. And you arrive at the same places that a band like Pink Floyd arrived at, but it, but it's not because you're trying to sound like Pink Floyd. You know, I think it's just a oh yeah a shared vision. Well, I think it's just cool that like we were over here in like 2020 and. Mm-hmm. You know, they were back, they were back then and they just like this, this thing exploded out of them. That was, mm-hmm. it's just like hard to comprehend their influence. It's like the, like the ghosts of, of bands like that have like raised us. And now we're just like trying to make our own rendition of, of what they did. But, you know, just like mm-hmm. with our spirit in it. Tell me about, um, you went to Big Sky you went to the mountains of Big Sky yeah. to make this record? Yeah. Like, yeah. how did that happen? So um, Javier, our, one of our guitar players, um, has a friend who um, their, his family allowed us to go up to their um, mansion in Big Sky, Montana mm-hmm. that they like go to some winters and, and um, it's like on a ski resort up there. And it's like an 18-hour trek from Chicago where, where uh, most of us live. Um, and we just hauled all of our gear and rented some gear and and um, took two buddies, engineer and producer, up with us. And we, yeah, we just camped out in this like incredibly beautiful mansion up there and set up in like the main living room area. It's like really, mm-hmm. really large wooden room. And we set up there, set the drums up there and just recorded everything live over the span of, I think it was 10 days that we were out there. Yeah, and we just lived and breathed it like all day, every day for 10 days. There's like this big grand like window looking out over this mountain range Mm -hmm. and we would just record all day and like the scenery definitely influenced us Mm -hmm. a lot. And, you know, we really bought into like the, I guess like the spiritual nature of, of just being out in a, place like that, you know, and like, we really tried to like channel that and, and, um, it was like a lot of hard work. And I think there was as any like recording process, you'd, how you'd want it to go. It's like, you know, there's, there's a range of emotions, you know, it's like very, it can be very intense. It can be very, um, like just moments of like, like bliss, you know, where we're, everyone's just like, Oh uh-huh. my God, like, it's incredible. Like this is the best. And then like, you know, other moments where you're like, really, really frustrated and it's, you know, there's a lot of like (laughs) roadblocks and obstacles and, and shit's just not sounding the way you thought it was supposed to sound, but then you end up like tweaking it or like coming to terms with it or, you know, and like Mm -hmm. also just getting performances to be, cause like, you know, recording live, it's like, and also with a bit of a time crunch, you know, like we don't have, we didn't have that much time. Like 10 days is not that much. Like I had to record my drums in three days, you know? So that was like, yeah. Su- super intense for me. You didn't do it the drums live with the band or you just did three days of live tracking with the band? We had some demos 
Um, so I like didn't go into it. Like I, I, I knew what I was going to do. Me and the bass player record, like recorded at the same time and he recorded DI and um, mm. I recorded live and the guitars were all live too, but like we did those separately. But me mm. and Dalton, the bass player, yeah, man, we just like went for it. And I kind of sometimes use scratch guitar um, and other times mm -hmm. I just played from memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, did what we had to do. It's not like the most ideal way of recording for me, but I still like managed to have a lot of fun and also like... Yeah, it was just kind of crazy, like busting ass like that for three days and exerting all that energy. It's like, it's crazy. It sounds like you you guys have a, an amazing like band dynamic, which is which is hard to find. It's hard to get like five people who can sit in a room together and like you know and be on the same wavelength and just make music for a solid week. I mean. So like how much of the music was written? Like what before? I mean, you, you, you had demos, but how much was on the fly just as you developed it over the course of 10 days? Um, most of it was already written because we had like different sessions like prior to actually going out to record where we constructed the songs. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, it was all like there already. We just had to like capture it the way we wanted it to be. But yeah, we did it. Like, I think we left there with literally everything, with everything we needed. How many people sing lead? Do you all, like, sing equal amounts, or how does that work? Yeah, the, the, the duties are shared, usually split between four people. I sing mm -hmm. a little bit here and there, but I don't really sing on this new record. I did on our last record, mm -hmm. but there's 10 songs, uh -huh. including an interlude, and everyone sings two except for our bass player, Dalton, who sings three. And he usually, like, he probably sings lead a little bit more than everyone else does. But um, mm -hmm. for the most part, it's split up evenly. And, and you, you each write your own lyrics? Or like, is, is there well, sometimes, like, help each other out a little bit. But I think this group really likes to, to like, kind of go off on their own and write their lyrics. Um, so it's like one person will come up with, like, a song idea and it usually starts just, like, instrument first, you know. And um, mm -hmm. then... They bring, you know, they'll bring that to the group and then we'll sort of like build the song with them, with that person. And we like kind of let them take the lead on how they like imagine it going. But everyone's very like, you know, we try to be as open-minded to everyone's ideas as possible, you know, because it just is like yeah. easier for things to flow that way. Uh -huh. It's like someone will come with like, you know, a riff, for instance. Then someone might have another idea where they're like, oh, dude, this riff kind of that I had, sort of works here. And then maybe we'll like just jam for a little bit, like mm -hmm. just kind of free form play. And then it's like, oh dude, that could like actually work with your other idea. And then things are built mm -hmm. from there. And then there's other songs that some people will like actually have more completed and everyone's like, no, that's like, that's how it should be. You pretty much mm -hmm. have it there. Now let's just like learn yeah. it all together and like, and play it. Do, do lyrics come first or does the, does the melody come first? Melody comes first, yeah. So, like, the instruments are always first, and lyrics usually come later. I think that um, for all of us, uh, playing comes a little bit more easier to us than the vocals do. Um, that's That usually takes a little bit more work. Mm -hmm. We're, like, instrumentalists first, you know? Do you do that thing where you have a melody and you're just singing gibberish and then the, the gibberish turns into words? Or do you yeah. just have... Yeah, or yeah, do you yeah. just have an instrumental melody? Well, someone will be like, 
all right, I got this, you know, I was thinking like right here, you know, whatever, like playing around with melodies. Mm -hmm. And we really tried with like our new record to really push ourselves with constructing melodies. You know, we really wanted to go for something that maybe we wouldn't have originally, like initially thought to go with, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. and we would like always encourage Mm -hmm. each other to like go with like, yeah, just go with the alternative basically. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you're comfortable with each other that you can tell each other when you think an idea is bad? You know, sometimes in bands you have to like dance around it. Definitely, man. Absolutely, yeah. You know, like some somebody has an idea, and then like the other band members are quietly huddling together and go, "I don't know how to break it to him that that idea sucks." That's a tricky thing in, to maneuver. I think it's just all on how we, you know, you say your note. Basically, it's like however you you confront the per- or not even confront. Confront's like kind of a intense word, but like yeah, however you bring <laughs> it up. Like I know that we all want everyone to be very open with how we're feeling because that's the last thing we want is like to come up with an idea and then someone's uh-huh. basically like pretending to like it or pretending to be cool with it. We've really tried to like be as yeah. honest as we can with each other and not have like kind of big egos about what we're what we're doing, you know? Like I think that it's pretty easy to take yourself really seriously when uh-huh. you're making art, but I think that it's a way better experience for everyone and actually mm-hmm. lends to like making greater art when you don't take yourself too seriously you know it's like you're not none of we all know that we're not like prince or something we're not like this like incredible like you know prodigy of a musician we're just like people that really really love to do it that have like some talent and we know that we're not gonna like that the other person might have Mm -hmm. like a really really solid idea or input or like change to whatever our initial idea was so i think that we're we're constantly getting better with that We've definitely had hiccups along the way, but yeah. I've always thought that the big, the big back and forth and playing music with people is trying to find that balance where you're, you're confident in your own ideas, but you're also got to like find that space where yeah. you know when you're wrong. You know, it's, it's like a, it's like the serenity prayer. It's like, give me the wisdom to yeah, know man. the difference yeah, between definitely. when, you know, when I have the right idea and I should follow that or when you're wrong and you realize that your friend is right and you should go with them. And I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like you guys have that. It's like at the end of the day, it's not really that big mm-hmm. of a deal. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, let's, let's just make something mm-hmm. that we're yes. all like really proud of. And like, I don't think anyone's one idea is that much better than the others, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think your your concept of like not taking it seriously is is a very good and healthy idea. You know, like to do what you do, be very seriously, but still, you know, have have perspective enough to realize that elements of it are just ridiculous. Yeah, man. <laughs> like being in a band is kind of a funny thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it 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 really really is. And you know, and you mentioned you mentioned ELO. You know, like I, I love ELO, and it's good to listen to those records and listen to how fucking ridiculous yeah, they are. Yeah, Like they go down roads that we would never go down to. We'd be going, no, we can't do that. Yeah. That's just dumb. You know, like writing a, a song about opera, mm-hmm. you know, like Rock Area. And like, if I was writing it, I would stop myself. But I love that song. I'm like, this is fucking brilliant. Dude, absolutely. I mean, Jeff Lynn though, like that guy was like, he was like touched by something, you know? <laughs> He's like, just such a genius. He really is. <laughs> I don't think he gets enough credit. He know? doesn't. He doesn't, especially nowadays. But he got a lot of credit yeah. from the people that mattered at the time, you know, because like 
I mean, the Beatles went to him. The Beatles went to him and said, will you help us, you know, record these songs? And the people that matter and the, the, the people that had more respect looked at him and went, yeah, that man. guy. Yeah, that I mean, guy he was doing it like before, because he was, you know, the, he was like a solo producer, just like wrote everything, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people like Prince and, and like even like to nowadays, like Kevin Parker from Tame Impala, like does it all himself. It's like they all kind of like stemmed from, mm-hmm. from like Jeff Lynn. I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of other artists that did it too, but he's like the one that sticks out in my mind. Yeah. But but even then, like they're they're influenced by him, but it's an incredibly simplified version of what he did. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when you break down the uh, arrangement for Mr. Blue Sky or Telephone That's Line. That's the song right there, man. Telephone insanity. Line. Yeah. Would you say ELO is one of y'all's biggest influences? Um, I don't know. I mean, more now than previously. It's it's something I've always loved, but I've always mm-hmm. thought like, no, I could never do that. You know, like like trying to be like ELO, it's like, I feel like it's like flying too close to the sun. If I tried to do it, you know, my wings would burn off and I'd yeah. plunge to earth. But but I love the, uh, on, our, on our last record, um, I, I was purposely trying to use mm-hmm. really absurd strings. Like I didn't want to use tasteful strings with like pads. I thought I want these, yeah. I want these strings to just sound ridiculous. And that was a definite nod to ELO because they were, they were not afraid to be ridiculous. Actually, you, using ELO to, to spin uh, into a different topic. One thing I find interesting about listening to ELO is like the lyrics are so weirdly simple. Mm-hmm. You know, like the music seems like the psychedelic world, but then he's just talking about, hey, slow down, yeah. sweet talking woman. <laughs> or yeah. like, hey there, Mr. Blue Sky, how's it going? I mean, how how do you think your lyrics interact with the psychedelic prog of your music? Do, do, they, do they feel like a piece? I mean, like, I don't know, maybe that's a vague question. We paid less attention to our lyrics in the past. Mm-hmm. It, it meant something. It's not like they didn't mean anything, but also a lot of the times with past stuff, it was just like, it was just like being funny, basically. We were just like writing like fun, kind of like, whatever, like, let's just write like a dumb, yeah. like a funny rock song, you know? That's like, yeah, it's just like fun to play and it's like sounds good and just like works, basically. And now yeah. with our new record, definitely everyone paid a lot more attention to the lyrics. I think just because like, it's like we're older now and I think the context of everyone's lives during like the writing of this record was a little bit more intense. Some more stuff happening, a lot of like, personal growth that was occurring in everyone's individual lives that like really inspired everyone to like really say something a little bit deeper in the lyrics. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're like, you know, I wouldn't say we're Mm. like incredible lyricists, but there are like a lot of the lyrics are pretty simple things, but they, there's a lot of weight behind them. You know, like that simple thing that is said in a line there's so much encapsulating that that you know maybe the listener wouldn't really realize it and they would just hear like the simple line that like sounds pretty good you know with the song but for us mm-hmm. we really wanted to like push ourselves to be like all right but it's you know don't worry too much about your technical writing chops like fuck that but like write something that really resonates yeah. with you and like then like the power of that will come through you know and that it, it will like it will be absorbed and, by other people. Uh huh. I think it's a good skill to like to know when to yeah. keep lyrics very simple. 
<laughs> you know? Like, sometimes I'm afraid to do stuff like that, but I always admire people who just put the phrase, I love you in a song because yeah. it's said a million times a day, you know? It's a very simple message. And, you know, when you can put that behind the right melody and the arrangement in the song, it takes on like a hundred different things. Oh, meanings. yeah, definitely. I think it was Eno who, who talked about, you know, he didn't think you could separate the music and the lyrics. Like you have to take it. Mm-hmm. You just have to take it as a piece. It is what it is. I really believe that. Like you, you, have, to, you have to remember like the, the words you wrote on the page and the words that you're singing into the song are not at all the same. You know, they're, the, they're the same words, but they transform. Yeah, that's an amazing way of putting it. I would agree with that a lot. So the, it feels like the way you write lyrics is just a little bit more complicated than this, a person sitting down with an acoustic yeah, guitar and yeah. writing a folk song. You know, like y- your, ly- your lyrics have to like bend and transform and, you know, go off in the tangents of the music. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think that, I mean, for like a folk artist or something like that, that takes some chops some lyrical, like poetic chops to, because it's like that the lyrics are what's like guiding that entire. I can think of like Nick Drake, you know, I don't know if you listen to Nick Drake, but like. Yeah, 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 I love him. You know, like his, like he, actually, that's like a great example of someone that's just like so, just like kind of saying this really simple thing, but it just like, like really, really like hits you. I mean, I guess it's the timbre of his voice too, but like, I guess for us, like we do think from like a music first, like instruments first mindset. But I think what mm. what was lost on us in the past was like the importance of like saying something, you know? And now we realize like, no, I think that like mm-hmm. we, we need to say something. We need to, because that's like us like learning to be more vulnerable, which is always like an important thing in life. Yeah, I think that's the great thing about bands. It's like you feel less vulnerable in a band because you're like, yeah. you know, at least we got each other. Like, have you, ever, have you ever been on stage and it's going really badly for whatever reason? But there's a sense, maybe it's unspoken, but you're looking around and being like, this sucks. Oh, dude, but yeah, absolutely. We, we got each other, right? <laughs> it's almost like more fun that way too. <laughs> Sometimes, not all the time. <laughs> yeah, ex- ex- exactly. But when you're up by yourself oh. with an acoustic guitar, you're like, I got nobody. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I've never experienced I, I'm that. I'm alone. It doesn't sound too fun. Uh, <laughs> no, I hate, I hate, I hate playing by myself. I've always told people, if you see me uh, playing yeah. a solo show, that means I've yeah. really hit the skids. Like, you should probably help me out and throw a few hundred bucks my way. Throw, throw me some money in the Venmo account. <laughs> <laughs> but I absolutely, uh, I'm so impressed by people that can do that. Just you know? confidence. Yeah, or the people that get on stage with a looping pedal, you know, just by themselves. And like, I'm friends with Andrew Bird. And like, I watch him playing by himself and I think, I'm not even a musician next to you. Yeah. I'm just like a caveman. Yeah. Like, oh I'm, man, I, I feel like that all the time with some, like, especially nowadays, there's so many talented artists out there. I mean, if I had a really good friend from back home that would do like looping on his guitar and would just get up there and would just like construct this like incredible, like almost symphonic mm. song just by himself with his guitar and loop pedal that I was just like, dude, if one thing goes wrong, it just would ruin the entire thing and you'd almost have to like start over or just move on to the next song. It'd be so embarrassing. Well, well, it's funny, going, going, going back to Andrew Bird, he played on, well, you know, he, he builds this, with the mm-hmm. band, he builds songs with the loops. So the songs are longer live. So like he'll, he'll need to take about two or three minutes just to loop and build the music, you know, before the band starts playing along with it. 
So he was, he was playing on Letterman and he mm. had to make the loop beforehand. Like the loop had to be there. Uh, and then he said to everybody there, it's like, you can't unplug this. Cause like, if you, if you unplug this, like I've, I've lost my loop. And then somebody unplugged it. And so he had to play, he had to play his song without all the, uh, the loops that he'd build. And he was, he was so upset about it that he actually paid like the eight or $10,000 that it costs to redo a song. Cause you have to pay, uh-huh. you have to pay for yeah. everybody on the show to do, to do overtime. Uh, but, but I thought, I understand. Oh, man, I understand. That's a nightmare. Kind of, I can't believe you know. that person unplugged it. The uh, one thing that he said not to do. Yeah, yeah. That's so insane. <laughs> I see people doing looping and I, and I think, is it as hard as it looks? It seems like a very yeah. hard thing to, uh, to build. Do you guys ever write at the genesis of, of just writing music? Do you ever just like mess around with loops or, or you know, just play with sounds? I know sometimes I just go into the studio and like play the, the simplest chords. You know, I'll just have the vaguest idea and you just play around with arpeggiators and, you know, just put them through effects and just see what comes out. What is the genesis of, of your writing? Where does it all begin? A lot of it is like definitely we like just get together and we just play, you know, without really much form mm-hmm. at all. You know, like we'll just kind of sit down, we'll just go off for a while and just like, yeah, it's like kind of just like jamming. It's like it's corny to say, but it's like, yeah, it's like what we do. But mm-hmm. with our new record, there were a lot of songs, funny enough, that the genesis of the song was like someone would just program. It was almost like they would just do it all on the computer with like some cheesy like programming drums, like real mm-hmm. simple drums, basically all like synth based. Then, and like yeah. would demo like a, like that person would like demo some vocals over it. And it, was, it almost sounded like a, like a, like hip hop song. I mean, it wasn't, but it was like it, because it was just like all production from the computer. Mm-hmm. And pretty much all of the songs started like that. Mm-hmm. And then we would take them to the studio and we would play them out full band and then we would see what that sounded like and most of the time we were really mm-hmm. into how these like mm-hmm. sample based song ideas translated into actual full band songs mm-hmm. and that's how most of these songs were birthed it was just like hey check this out with this like beat underneath it almost sounds like it could be on like a soundcloud rap yeah you know i mean like seriously it was like like sometimes we were just like how is this going to be a song how's this going to be like a rock yeah. song and then we figured it out. Like we just like would would improvise and like it would become this new thing. It was really exciting. I feel like hip hop and psychedelic music are getting closer and closer. Yeah, definitely. You know, like 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 that to me, I think is the best music. I think some of the best hip hop is yeah, actually also the best psychedelic music. Yeah, like No Name or even Flying Lotus. Yeah, right? I know what you mean. I, yeah. that's yeah. not hip hop, but you know, or even even like Kendrick Lamar. Or, yeah. Uh, when when indie rock bands would talk about having a hip hop influence, I remember years ago. Yeah, I, like I would kind of roll my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, "Give me a break!" <laughs> but now I now I feel like it's hard not to be to feel influenced by hip hop because it's the coolest music. It's the coolest, newest, yeah, most, most interesting edge, yeah. music. And um, you know, bands would be wise. They would be wise to look to it. You know, as a reference point. Um, Indie rock of the last 10 years, uh, basically a lot of it sounds like 90s R&B. Like there's this idea of what indie rock sounds like from like 20 years ago. And that is like a retro sound now. 
like 90s R&B has become as eternal yes. as country and the blues. <laughs> you know, it's Definitely, just like, man. that's just what music sounds like. It's like if you want to sound like good music, sound like '90s R&B. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, we we literally there's like a vocal line in one of our new songs that every time I hear it, I'm like, dude, that sounds like Seal. It sounds like a Seal melody, and I <laughs> it makes me laugh because I'm just like, what are we doing? But it's awesome. Like I, I fucking love it. <laughs> it's like what I always wanted to do. Like do something kind of kind of like seemingly ridiculous like that, but the the odds are like the most absolutely ridiculous thing you guys ever come up with will probably be your hit. <laughs> you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I can I can only hope, man. It's like you, you know the band Parquet Courts. Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I really love Parquet Courts, and then this record comes out where they have that song, which is just them playing this sort of Red Hot Chili Peppers groove and yelling, I'm wide yeah, awake. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm wide yeah, awake. Yeah. And and it has no lyrics. It's just him yelling that over and over again. And then like they're doing it yeah, on dude. Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great, but it's so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you have to admire that they were willing to just go so dumb. Yeah. Whereas some of us, we might make that, but we'd listen to it and go, no one must ever hear this dumb song. Well, I think that that's <laughs> because like- Because it's embarrassing. I think yeah. that's the way like rock and like indie rock and alternative rocks, you know, like I think that's how it moves forward. Just like the genre. Like I think it's mm-hmm. it's probably like a, a lot of people would think that it's like been a little stagnant lately, except for like in the psych mm-hmm. rock world, I would say. Just like for the genre as a whole, I feel like it, bands just have to like take risks like that, that- might seem like silly oh, risks yeah, or like yeah. just, yeah, like like dumb and just go for it and see what happens, see what sticks. I, th- I think you guys have it in you to just get even more absurd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd say, Definitely, uh, man. Make your electric dreams, you know. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. We're- make, make your your early 80s Jeff Lynn masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. That's the goal, man. We're, we're just trying to like never, like we don't want to inhibit ourselves in any way or put any uh, any boundaries on it, you know. Mm-hmm. we kind of like buy into like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like the silliness of our music where it can almost be like, we're almost doing it ironically, but we really, really do love it and mean it, you know? And like some of our favorite music is that, straddles that line. Well, you talk about how the silliness in your music, but your music doesn't come off as silly to me at all. But I think what that means is you've got room to move to get even sillier. Sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know? dude. Like, which means you can go farther down that road and there still might be people listening to it and going, nope, I still don't think it's silly. So, yeah, dude, uh, that's awesome. I know, love hearing that. Ju- just, yeah. just, just keep going farther and farther and farther. And, you know, yeah, you never know what you'll find. Like I, when you were talking about like goofy ideas, like I, I, I thought about us how, Sometimes we'll go down a road and, and I'll like what I think we're doing is not what other people think we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. I'll say, oh, this, this, song, this song's super goofy and someone will go, no, it's not super goofy at all. Or I'll think this song's too hard rock. Don't you think this song is too hard rock? And they'll say, no, it's not remotely hard rock. You know, yeah. like your, your perception of what you're doing is often just so clouded. So all you, all you can do is just, you know, go down the some musical road as far as you can or want to and, and just see what happens. One of my favorite albums in the world is um, it's by Mayo Thompson from Red Crayola. And he put out an album in, like, I think, 1971 called Corky's Debt to His Father. 
And I absolutely love it. It's one of my all-time favorite records. And at the time it came out, it was barely considered good enough to release. Mm. He, like he made this record that's, you know, people like me think this is absolutely brilliant, but he just threw it out there in the world. And the response was like, huh, just people shrugged. And I always try and remember that. Like however much you think people might be shrugging at your music, you know, Rec- much better records than yours have been shrugged at. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, Puts it in perspective, man. So I'm trying to pound that perspective into your head. You guys rule. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> Remember that you rule. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Cool. Well, uh, it's been cool hanging out and talking to you. Really great talking to you, man. All right. Take it easy. All right. Take care. Dude, bye. See you. A.C. Newman, Wesley Toledo, thank you so much for joining us here on the TalkHouse podcast. Listeners, if you enjoyed today's show, definitely make sure to check out the last time A.C. was on the show. That was with Oakerville River main man, Will Sheff. For all behind-the-scenes content, be sure to check us out on socials at TalkHouse. Today's show was recorded by longtime TalkHouse podcast friend Alex Hall at Reliable Recorders in Chicago and by A.C. Newman at an undisclosed location in upstate New York. Our co-producer is Mark Yoshizumi. Our theme song was composed and performed by The Range. Make sure to subscribe to the TalkHouse podcast. We have some very cool shows coming up, including Katie Crutchfield, a.k.a. Waxahachie with Whitmer Thomas, writers George Saunders and Dana Spiota, Jarvis Cocker, he of Pulp, with the Magnetic Fields, Stephen Merritt, and so many more. Till next week, I'm Ellie Einhorn. I'm Annie Fell. Peace. Bye. And I want to fall down the stairs with your smile. 